We hear off the songs of heaven and the joy of the angels, and it echoes back to us, telling us that all is well, and that our Jesus is on the throne, and that no matter what bad happens, we have this glorious hope of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Oh, that is fantastic. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Well, you found us for another hour of Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline, and as always, my co-host, Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. I'm sorry about that. I, accidentally listening to the radio and we come on. Our apologies right, right from the beginning. <laughs> well, uh, I don't think they'll be too sorry uh, for today, because today on Table Talk Radio, it's the Praise and Worship Edition. Yeah, the special edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm excited about this. I've, I've, this is, I've been up all night because I've been so excited. <laughs> um, but we're starting out playing a game. I think you started this at your church, Pastor Wolf Miller, at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, contemporary or traditional? Yes, that's right. And uh, a little game where we determine whether this the the music or the the song that we're listening to is contemporary or traditional. We'll explain that a little bit uh, as we go on. Uh, after that, we're going to respond to an interview that Pastor Wolfmiller did on Table Scraps. Uh, Table Scraps is the uh, internet exclusive edition of Table Talk Radio, and uh, he did an interview with Chris Tomlin, uh, a praise you, and worship. When you call it there. internet exclusive, it makes it sound very kind of posh and and. Uh, you know, unique and uh, like you have to pay some sort of fee to listen to this interview. It's, hey, of course, there's an idea. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, you can just go and download the sucker and listen to it. 17 minutes long. We talked to Chris Tomlin, who's the number one praise and worship leader in the United States. So we'll listen to a few of those sound bites and respond to that. That's right. And then um, this praise song cruncher. You wrote this little article, um, and I read it actually. Um, <laughs> About meeting uh, your criteria for being read, which is under one page long. That's right. Well, actually, it's only about half a page, uh, so uh, I was easily able to get through it. But it, this little article that Pastor Wolfman wrote, Criteria for Discerning the Usefulness of Praise Songs. And he has this little uh, um, diagnostic tool, I guess you could say, uh, to go through uh, whether this song, this praise song, is a good one to use for worship. And uh, uh, ending up our, our Table Talk Radio for today, we're going to play Don't Forget the Lyrics to Your Hymns. Um, Pastor Wolfner tried this before and did terribly, so he wants another shot at it. It was mis- it was a miserable failure, but I've changed the rules to work in my advantage <laughs> this time. So. That's true. Okay, so contemporary or traditional, uh, the the boundary, the line that, that determines whether this is contemporary or traditional is 1750. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of it's kind of a subjective sort of thing. People say contemporary music or traditional music. Well, what's the difference? Well, we've just said that the difference is just to make it simple and somewhat objective. The difference is if the hymn was written before 1750, that's a traditional hymn, and if it was written after 1750, 
that makes it a contemporary hymn. So 1750, it's not such just picking a number out of the air. It, mostly it sounds obnoxious to say that a hymn written in 1751 is a contemporary hymn. I like that, first of all. But then also, uh, 1750 is kind of right in the middle of the of the switch in Christian hymnody from the more... Uh, objective hymns uh, that spoke about Jesus to the more romantic hymns um, which uh, which speak about ourselves and our reaction to that. 1750 is also the year that Bach died, uh, just to throw that in there too. So so we'll, we'll, we'll get the name of a hymn and then we'll get a stanza or two of the lyrics and we want to we listen to the lyrics and, and talk about them and then make a guess, uh, contemporary or traditional. And each hymn guess is worth 200 points. So I'll be keeping score here, Evan. Good, good. <laughs> Um, you think that now because we haven't started. Just wait. <laughs> okay. Um, so are you going first or am I? I'll give you a hymn first. Okay. You ready? Go for it. This is the hymn titled, uh, From Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee. Here's a, here's, I'll just give you the first stanza. From depths of woe I cry to thee. Lord, hear me, I implore thee. Bend down thy gracious ear to me. My prayer let come before thee. If thou rememberest each misdeed, if each should have its rightful meed, who may abide thy presence. I'm going to say that is traditional. Traditional is right. Can you tell us more about the hymn? Do you know this one? I do. I mean, I sing it, but I don't know anything yeah. about it. It's it's Luther's Psalm 130 hymn. The Psalm 130 starts out, uh, Out of the depths I cry unto thee, O Lord. It's called the De Profundis because of that, Out of the Depths. And so Luther wrote this hymn uh, based on Psalm 130. So Luther, we know, lived before 1750. In fact, he wrote this hymn in 1523. Uh, and it's a, marvelous, it's a marvelous psalm, Psalm 130. It's a marvelous hymn, too. When we're in trouble, when we're sinking in the depths, when we... Um, when it seems like darkness is surrounding us, to take this hymn, and it has this marvelous verse in it, uh, there, if, if thou, O Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. So we know that if the Lord were marking our sins and keeping track of them, we could never stand before him, but because, uh, he, because of Jesus on the cross, he, he's merciful and he forgives our sins. That's right. So um, you got 200 points for that, Evan. Uh, now, do I have to give you the the hymn title before I, I read you the stanza? No, you can just read it if okay. you want to make it tough. Yeah, I do. I do. Because <laughs> that was a giveaway when you gave it to me. <laughs> oh. Okay, this, the the stanza that I selected, then I'll, I'll tell you more about the hymn a- after you guess wrongly. Uh, <laughs> Thou spress a table in my sight, thine unction grace bestoweth. And oh, what transport of delight from thy pure chalice floweth. That is the hymn, The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Hmm. Well, Which you're is close. A, the, the, uh, the actual first line is, The king of love my shepherd is. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right, you're right. It's There's based these two on the tw- great. The 23rd Psalm. Yeah, there's these two great Psalm 23 uh, hymns, and I switched them, but you're right. The. Uh, but I think both of them uh, are uh, are contemporary. I think they're written in the 19th century. So I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say contemporary for that one. And you are correct. Now oh, I, 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 I don't know the exact date. How do you find these dates when they, these hymns are written? But um, the the person that that wrote the 
the text for that hymn is Henry Baker, who was born in 1821. So we're pretty safe to say that that's a contemporary <laughs> hymn. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, if anyone, there's, we have some in, Lutheran insiders listening. The LSB doesn't have the date the hymn was written. The, the uh, TLH does. I don't know about LW. But TLH will give the date uh, uh, that the hymn was written rather than the, the uh, author's birth and death dates. Oh, interesting. Uh, so that's how I know the day, yeah, or the year anyways. Unfortunately, yeah, that's a, I was doing my show prep at home last night while my hymnals were at the church. So, <laughs> Well, there you go. There you go. At least you did your show prep uh, a little bit before we actually started recording. Yeah, unlike you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, a couple boy. minutes, so we better get rolling. Okay, here's, here's another one. You ready? Ready. All right, I'm not going to give you the title then if you want to play that way. <laughs> um, let's see here. So now and till we die, sound we thy praises high, and joyful sing, infants and the glad throng, who to thy church belong, unite to swell the song, to Christ our King. Uh, can I buy a vowel? <laughs> All right, I'll give you the first stanza. <laughs> That'll give you the name of the hymn, too, but I still think this is a stumper. Shepherd of tender youth. Guiding in love and truth through devious ways. Christ, our triumphant King, we come thy name to sing and hear our children bring to join thy praise. I am just going to guess that that one is traditional. Oh, come on. Why? Because <laughs> I've got a 50 50 chance. <laughs> You just have sex. They got it right. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're right. It's traditional. This this is Shepherd of Tender Youth uh, is written by Clement of Alexandria, probably uh, around the year 200, uh, making this the oldest hymn in our hymnal that we sing, aside from, of course, the Psalms uh, and the different biblical canticles. Shepherd of Tender Youth. So th- th- can you imagine the church has been singing this hymn, I mean in different languages, for the last 1,000 and 800 years. It's just incredible to think that we join our voices with all of these. I mean, it's not just our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, but all the way back uh, to the to the very roots of the church, and we join our, our voices to sing with them. It's fantastic. Yes, it is. Okay, uh, got to roll on with this last one. The stanza is, Hasten as a bride to meet him, and with loving reverence greet him. For with words of life immortal, he is knocking at your portal. Open wide the gates before him, saying as you there adore him. Grant, Lord, that I now receive you, that I never more will leave you. Uh, I thought at first it was going to be um, one of this Matthew 25 bridegroom uh, hymn there by, uh, oh, I can't remember. Uh, I should know that one, the Queen of Chorales in the Lutheran Church. Uh, it, but it kind of has a Paul Gerhardt feel to it, which is a, he's a little bit romantic, uh, but, uh, but still before the age of romanticism, making it traditional. So I'm gonna, I, I think it sounds like Paul Gerhardt. That sounds like a traditional hymn to me. Is that right? Well, it's not Gerhardt, but it is traditional. Uh, well, this is the hymn, Soul Adorn Yourself with Gladness, um, by Johann. Uh, I think his last name is called, uh, pronounced Frank. And, oh, uh, Franca. Okay, yeah, and uh, he he uh, he lived from 1618 to 1677, so it is traditional. Uh, but this is, oh, this, there you this go. This is a great communion hymn. Uh, speaking of 
of what we uh, receive at the Lord's Supper. So, um, hey, we're all out of time. So, what, what's the score? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll get, when we come back after the break, I'll tally the he, points. He has to do, get your calculator out. Get your calculator out. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, more Table Talk Radio right after this. We're going to be uh, coming back, listening to the interview with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller and Chris Tomlin. That's found on Table Scratch. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio is listener supported. If you would like to help with the financial needs of Table Talk Radio, just click the donate button on our website, tabletalkradio.org, or mail us at P.O. Box 223, Yuma, Colorado, 80759. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, we're listening to an interview that Pastor Wolfman did earlier this week with Chris Tomlin, popular worship and praise music uh, songwriter. Um, do you want to set up uh, the interview or talk about kind of your initial comments or uh, reflections on the interview? Well, sure. I, we wanted to talk to Chris Tomlin because um, I, it's just kind of to get it from the horse's mouth. What's going on in the praise and worship movement? Uh, there is... Um, uh, this is a huge thing that's affecting the church, and it tries to find its way even into kind of liturgical churches like the Lutheran Church. Um, that uh, this praise and worship music—it's just kind of—it's um, just kind of pervades the Christian culture. So we wanted to talk to the guy at the top of it, the guy who's doing most of the writing and singing, really. And Chris Tomlin is that guy. So we wanted to find out from his uh, mouth what he thinks about uh, praise and worship music, what it is, what worship is. Uh, so we can, when we say what it is and bring a biblical critique to it, we can um, we can do it in an informed way, not just making stuff up, but actually having talked to the people involved in it as well. So, so that was why we did the interview, and I think we got what we wanted. Uh, we're going to hear some of that now, I think, Evan. Yeah, it is. And this first question you asked is, what is worship? But um, actually, that, that's what he answers. The original question you asked was, uh, what makes a good worship song? And here's that answer. What I, what I've come to understand that worship to God is our response to Him. It's the way we respond to Him for who He is, for His greatness, and for what He has done in our lives. And it's just, it's, it's so, uh, to me, a great worship song um, is something that um, is a true response. I think it comes um, just out of your a real authentic place, a real humble place, a, a place of awe, a place um, of gratitude, a place of deep love for God. Um, I think when that's your starting point, it's another response of, uh, just for His greatness and His grace in our life. That's a good starting place for a uh, for a worship. Well, that's great. And, I mean, that I actually wanted to get to that question, but you went right to it, and that is the question of what is worship. And I think did did you, Chris, say that uh, our worship then is an authentic response to the greatness the, uh, uh, of God and the things that He's done for us? Yeah, I would say that, and I would say worship is um, it's a big word, and it's a, it has a, a a lot of a lot of meaning in that one simple word. But I think when you boil it down, it's um, it, it is that it's our response to God for who He is and what He's done. 
Pastor, what do you make of his response? Well, that's, I mean, the response is the big word here, right? I mean, <laughs> worship is our response to what God has done. He said that over and over again. So so worship, I mean, that just to start with, worship is what we're doing, right? Now, it's, it's reacting to what God has first done. So God first is good or great or awesome or whatever. And then we then uh, somehow, knowing that awesomeness, respond to him from an authentic, humble place of awe. Uh, and and that's what worship is. So worship now is, is really is the work of man. Granted, it's in response to what God has done, but it's it's our work. We want to say from the Bible that that no, that's not it. You, you're only getting the second half of worship, and that's not even the most important part. The most important part of worship is that God comes to give us His gifts. The most important part of worship is is the distribution of the Lord's grace and his mercy and forgiveness. And that and that's what happens. But that's it's almost totally missed. We did have the question, what uh, when we respond to the greatness of God, what is that greatness? Uh, and, and his response was, well, that God created all things and all of this sort of stuff. Um, it didn't have anything to do with, with the cross or, or with Jesus' death. So, I mean, at least the initial answer um, didn't. So... Uh, I don't know. If we were to play the law gospel game on this, what would you say his answer to worship is? Is worship law or is worship gospel? Well, if worship is primarily our response, um, is that something that that Christ is doing for us to give the forgiveness of sins, or is that something that we're doing? Uh, the answer is that it's something that we're doing, and um, uh, therefore then it gives no forgiveness of sins, no comfort, but really only uh, condemns us and shows us uh, our fallen state. Yeah, that's really the danger with the whole praise and worship movement is that we uh, we fall, fall back onto ourselves and we say, oh, I wasn't authentic enough or I wasn't humble enough or I wasn't in in the right place of awe, this sort of thing. And so maybe I didn't do it right. Maybe I wasn't truly worshiping God. Maybe I wasn't keeping his, uh, his commandments to, to worship him and worship him alone when I was distracted or thinking about this and that. And so then we got to come back more. I remember talking when I was uh, back in the evangelical church, talking to people who we had and we would have these discussions about how I just didn't feel the presence of God there. I didn't feel uh, like I was connected. I, I wasn't really worshipful uh, today or something like that. And there was so much of this uh, doubt involved in it because it was about ourselves and even about our emotions. I mean, can you find a more kind of doubtful uh, place to be than to be dwelling on your own emotions? Uh, I think some of that is the next clip that we have about what a praise and worship leader does. He'll get into that a little bit, too. Right. So I was going to say, when I was at uh, college, I went to a, a college affiliated with the Free Methodist Church. And uh, they they, re- they required chapel um, attendance, which is pure gospel, by the way. But I got the impression that people, because this that, that worship is seen as this primarily this response, um, worship is causes like an obligation upon them that that oh i i feel terrible because i decided not to go to church but if we see what worship really is in the divine service god serving us then it's nothing more than going to the dinner table to to eat food to nourish your body i'm going to church simply because i need god's word uh to sustain my faith to strengthen my faith and and by that great gift of christ's death on the cross we then um, respond in joy and thanksgiving, but only after he's moved to us first. 
Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's the big thing. I mean, how much you you make a great point, Evan, is how much is how much burden is the command come to dinner, especially when you're famished, and that's what the Lord's command to, to worship and hear His word is: come and receive my gifts, and and that's the main thing that's going that's right. on. Okay, so then, as you mentioned, the next question then is: what is the role or what is the goal of the worship leader? And this is how Chris Simon responded. That's a great question. You know, I, I want to um, several things. I want to do. I want. I think a, a major role is to be um, have presence, yet not a performance. And sense of you have presence because you're a leader, and there are people that you know that are appointed leaders at different times, and you are the leader for that moment. But it's not about you performing; it's about you having a presence for the people to draw the people together to lead them to God. You're not leading them to yourself; you draw them together but you lead them to God, and that's where humility comes in. So I think it's presence and humility. It's the presence to uh, to, ha- to draw people together, but the humility to, to back out of the way, to kind of go out the back door, if you will, and make God as big as you can, make his name, his fame, his, his greatness, his grace, the center point, and let, let people focus on that. And so I try to write songs in that way, that, that point people that way lyrically and all those different kinds. Uh, what I pulled from that is, is mostly um, the worship leader trying to deflect the praise of the people. Yeah, you don't want to make yourself an idol. You don't want to make yourself. Uh, you don't want to make yourself God or anything like this. So that uh, you and, and that's true. I mean, uh, but, the, but the problem is the whole way that praise and worship music is set up is that you hardly have that choice. I mean, I, I don't know how dangerous it is to make the organist into an idol and to, and to start praising the organist or something you know when you have a when you have a traditional service this is impossible when you have a praise and worship service though this is this is a huge problem you got all these uh young people uh, dressed very nice standing up in front uh with their it seems like their whole self bared before god uh in their leading worship and this is it's very tempting to for this to be a performance in fact i think that if you could take a, 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 a praise band and you could turn them around such that they face the altar, you know, face the drum set toward the altar and this sort of thing, then you would beginning to move in the right direction, but you just can't. I mean, the way it's set up is to be a performance. But then here's the, th- the main thing that he said, and it's almost in passing, is to lead the people to God. And that, I think, is the key to the modern praise and worship uh, movement, is that it's all about coming in to, to it's uh, it's about having an experience of coming into the presence of God, and, and that the worship leader and the worship songs and the lyrics and the style and the way the lights go and everything is geared towards creating that experience, that mystical experience of the presence of God. And so we said it there in leading the people to God. Yeah, and and we're uh, out of time, so we can't get to this last clip. But the last clip was that very question: How do you know, Chris, that you're in the presence of God? And the response was. It's really a mystery. They talked a lot about his feelings. And you talked about this a little earlier, but it's not a mystery when we're in the presence of God, when he promises himself to us, that in his word, He, the Spirit is pointing to Christ and giving us uh, faith through his word, as Romans teaches us. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So when we're when we're uh, in church and hearing the, the word rightly proclaimed and the, the sacraments rightly administered, uh, we are in the presence of God, and we can rest assured of that. That, that's going to bring us to the end of this segment, but we'll be right back. We're playing this praise song, Cruncher, and we'll hear from Chris Tomlin again in that segment. We'll be right back here on Table Talk Radio. 
Table Talk Radio, where is means is, and finished means finished. Hi, this is Brian Wolfmuller, co-host of Table Talk Radio. Would you consider becoming one of the Table Talk Radio Radical Reformation Glee Club members? We're looking for three or four people to support us with 25 to $30 a year. We know that that's asking a lot, but the church consultants and word faith teachers tell us to think and plan big. If you'd like to support us, click the Donate Now button on just about every single page on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Spirit is with us, is in us, um, the presence of God, we, we, we carry that, in the, as the scripture says, in these earthly bodies, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that was, um, you know, part of the, part of the Godhead, three in one, the Holy Spirit, I mean, not like some, like, stepbrother of the Trinity, but part of God is in, is in us through the Holy Spirit, when we, as we know Jesus. And that, uh, so, there is that part of the presence of God when we're all together that is there with us. But it's a sense of, um, you know, it's a phrase that is, that is interesting, interesting, that God inhabits the phrases of his people. You've heard that? And yeah, that's sure, really, from the that scripture is not really said that way in the Bible. I mean, it's not, there's no like, it, it comes from Psalm 22, but it says God sits in thrones upon the faces of Israel. And that is a, it's yeah, interesting, interesting verse, and uh, I think that's interesting that when we praise Him, when we praise God, that He is that we build His throne. That's what Psalm twenty-two is saying. We build the throne of God when we praise, him. and He sits upon that throne, he sits on the praises of His people. And I think that's a little bit of way of saying that the people to the presence of God. We, we, when we get when we gather to praise Him, there's something unique about it. It's hard to explain, but I know. When I'm standing in that moment, you just know it because it's something unique that you can't do anything else. There's nothing, there's nothing else in the world that does that. There's no, you can't get together and just sing a country song or a pop song or, or just sing any kind of song that you sense that. But when you sing it, you worship songs to God. You, when you really focus your heart and your attention upon who He is and you're doing that with people, there's something powerful about it and very unique, um, to our faith. That's Chris Tomlin in a recent interview with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller on Table Scraps. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Chris Tomlin talking there about how our praises bring on the presence of God, and you can't really tell it's a mystery, but you can tell when you feel it. For this next segment, we're going to be playing Praise Song Cruncher, and uh, based off an article that Pastor Wolfmiller wrote, uh, Criteria for Discerning the Usefulness of Praise Songs. Let's go through these real quick, Pastor Wolfmiller. Why don't you go through these? Sure. Well, the difficulty is, I mean, like Chris admitted, that the, that the worship music is to bring us into the presence of God. And so, uh, and this presence is defined mystically, the Holy Spirit in us, and he kind of bubbles over so that we have some sort of sense of his presence or something like this. And so the great difficulty in discerning uh, the praise songs and sorting it out is that they're written to kind of provoke emotions, not thought. So oftentimes they're written in in phrases, in uh, short uh, short ideas. They're not really sentences. 
um, and this sort of thing. So to kind of grab it and nail it down and try to figure out what's going on, we've come up with five questions to ask of a, of a praise song. And you think, Evan, we can get this up on our website uh, so that people can look at it if they want? Uh, our website is tabletalkradio.org. Um, and so you can visit the website and, and find this as well. The first question is simply the Jesus question. Is Jesus mentioned? Yes or no? And if yes, is it in name or in concept? Does it name Jesus or does it call him king and light and this sort of thing? Uh, so, so that's just the first question. If Jesus isn't mentioned, uh, then you wonder what it's singing about or who it's singing to. The second question is clarity. And, and now in these next two, we're going to actually have a scale of, uh, of 1 to 10. Um, because this is somewhat subjective, so we want to give ourselves a range. But is the song clear? Does it use sentences with subject and verb and object? Or is it written in sentence fragments and short thoughts? Uh, if it's very clear, it gets a 10. If it's obscure, it gets a 1, somewhere in between. The third is the mysticism content. Is it subjective or is it objective? Now, subjective is the things in us, emotions and things like this. Objective are the things outside of us, the things that are real, tangible, historical, and so forth. So, is the song about the things that God has done, that is, objective reality? Or is it about my own emotions and experiences, the subjective reality? Does the song repeat the same phrases over and over again in a hypnotic mantra? This is part of the <laughs> subjectivity of the hymns, uh, or the song, excuse me. So uh, so we have a 10 to 1 scale. If it's very objective, it'll get a 10. Very subjective, gets a 1 or somewhere in between. Fourth criteria, law and or gospel. Does the song proclaim the law in all its sternness, the gospel in its sweetness? Is the, go- the gospel, of course, is the promise of the forgiveness of sins, one for us through Jesus' death on the cross. Are the law and the gospel rightly divided and not mixed up? Is the law presented as something that we can do, or does it show us our sins? And is the gospel conditional based on my actions, decisions, acceptance of Jesus, and so forth? Answer, yes, no, or I can't tell, which tells you something. And then the fifth question is, is there any explicit uh, false teaching? Uh, now, if you happen to be at the church where uh, Seminarian Gagline is doing his summer vicarage, you could use these sort of uh, criteria for his sermons as well, especially that last question. Is there any explicit false teaching? Well, don't tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm just going to go down the CCLI uh, chart list and uh, play these songs. What does that stand for anyway, CCLI? Uh, Contemporary Christian Licensing International. Okay, so they came out the top 100. We're going to go down the list. First one is... Uh, number one, it, our friend Chris Holland, who we uh, had the opportunity to interview, and it is How Great Is Our God. only clip the choruses, but he sings that about seven times. Um, and then he, I, I do have the other lyrics in front of me. Uh, uh, the splendor of a king, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his voice. All right, so let's run through this. Uh, was Jesus mentioned? Uh, he gets a mention in the middle of the hymn where there's one line that says, The Godhead three in one, oh, right. Father, Spirit, Son, there. There he is. Uh, so Jesus shows up. But then listen to the second part of that 
verse or hook or whatever is so it's it goes like this the, the godhead three in one father spirit son the lion and the lamb the lion and the lamb i don't i have no idea what's going on there because there's no there's no verbs i mean there's is there a verb there no oh so so it says the god had three a confession of the trinity and then it goes right into this the lion and the lamb which could be a, an expression of the two natures of christ maybe or um uh from revelation 5 is the lion laying down with the lamb is a, a, a is the wrong way to quote the prophecy in isaiah but to connect it to the trinity i don't know what's going on there so jesus is mentioned but i'm not exactly sure why or so, f- for what? What number would you give this on the clarity scale? Uh, three, two and a half. Okay. V- very obscure. There's hard, it's phrases, not sentences. Now, uh, mysticism. Uh, now, one of the, one of the things that you mark here for mysticism is the 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 hymn repeat the same verses or phrases over and over in a hypnotic mantra, and uh, I think this one is certainly guilty of that one at least uh, because the chorus. Uh, first of all, the chorus is just a repeated line three times. Um, and then the chorus itself is is repeated several times as well. Yeah, right. Uh, so for the mysticism scale, I think it's going to be very subjective uh, in this. Uh, maybe th- again two and a half or three. I mean, it could be worse, I suspect. But it's uh, 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 my heart will sing how great is our God. So it's about our own uh, kind of confession of the greatness of God. Um, so we're standing there doing that. Which, by the way. Well, this fits, Evan, with exactly what Chris wants to do with the song. I mean, he told us that, so that it's not like if we were to bring this mysticism scale to him, he would somehow be insulted by the fact that it's very subjective and it's because the p- point of worship is for us to be responding to his goodness. So he's accomplishing what he set out to do. Yeah, yeah. So if we were to critique it on this, it, it wouldn't, I don't think, be a critique for Chris. Uh, but it might be for us, which because we want something more objective uh, in, in our worship. But but not for not for Chris. So. Um, and then this last one, or excuse me, there's two more. Law and gospel. Is there a division of law and gospel in this, in this song? No. Okay. And then number five, any explicit false teaching? Uh, maybe this, I don't know, it depends on how you put the construction on this Trinitarian stanza. I, I just can't sort out what it's going on. So there might be some something, it's at least confusing in any ways. Uh, it's kind of difficult to sort out actually what's being said. So Yeah, what's really scary, though, is, uh, I'm not sure if you know this, Pastor Wolfman, when you play this, this song backwards, what you hear, and this is actually kind of scary. I want to play this for you. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Hi, this is Brian Wolfman co-host of Table Talk Radio. Did you hear that? I I, I was freaked out by that one. <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. We got subliminal Table Talk Radio messages and praise and worship songs. Sheesh, no wonder you were up all night. <laughs> hey, uh, we, we're just uh, coming down to the last minute. Uh, do you think we can fit another one in or do you think we should call it quits here? Uh, let's call it. Or let's do another one on the other side of the break. I'm looking forward to putting off the next game anyway. So, uh, so let's That's look good. at another one. Uh, because in, the, in, in the, this in next the game, uh, name the. Don't forget the lyrics to your hymn. I picked all doxological stanzas. <laughs> Just kidding, but <laughs> I was trying to make it easy on you so you wouldn't forget the words. So it's the uh, father, son, and <laughs> yeah, I could get that. 
<laughs> okay. Well, uh, hey, don't forget to check out our website, uh, tabletalkradio.org. We'll put this article up that Pastor Rolf Miller has written, Criteria for Discerning the Usefulness of Praise Songs. And don't forget about our phone line. We are, uh, Pastor Rolf Miller is still available to answer your hard comments uh, and questions. I don't know how you answer a comment, uh, but uh, that phone number is 866-851-5523. Or email us, questions at tabletalkradio.org. More uh, of this uh praise song cruncher right after this break on Table Talk Radio. If you're still not full after an hour of Table Talk Radio, listen to Table Scraps, the internet-exclusive edition of Table Talk Radio. On Table Scraps, you will hear additional interviews and discussions, and it's only available on tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back. Pastor Wolf Miller was singing some uh, some of our praise songs here over the break, and uh, we're glad that we're back then on Table Talk Radio, so we don't have to listen to that anymore. But we're going to finish this uh, praise song cruncher uh, and then uh, get into this last game. Uh, don't forget the lyrics to your hymns. So, uh, I, by the way, Evan, have a guilty conscience because sitting right in front of me is the score to our first game, which I haven't let the the listeners oh, know. Do so tell. I, what, what is the yeah, score? The, the score was uh, uh, Evan, the guilty seminarian, gag line four hundred. Uh, Pastor Wolfmuller, the self-proclaimed iron preacher, uh, two hundred. So you <laughs> won. Uh, well, uh, let's see if you can get some points in this last one. We've got to finish up praise song cruncher first. So. All right, let's have another hymn here. Okay, cool. Do we want to go through the five criteria real quick? Okay, uh, real again, quick. you can find it on our website, Table Talk Radio. Jesus, clarity, mysticism, law and gospel, and false doctrine. And this one is Here I Am to Worship by Tim Hughes, the number two praise and worship song on the CCLI charts. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say. Go. Uh, you had the bass boost on on that, I think. Oh, bow, bow, bow. <laughs> you have your subwoofer on in, there in the office. <laughs> Gotta like it. <laughs> Pastor's jamming out in his study. <laughs> bow, bow. Turn it back on. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> okay, so uh, here we have this. A light of the world, you step down in the darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Do you have the, the lyrics in front of you as well, Pastor? Yes, I okay, sure do. Okay, so uh, does Jesus uh, make it to this, this song? Well, if he's there, it's by concept, not by name. So this is important for criteria one. Is Jesus mentioned yes or no? And if yes, is it by name or by concept? So you have this idea, light of the world. Well, that's Jesus. You've got to be an insider to know it, though, you know. You have to know the scriptures to know that this is talking about Jesus. Beauty that made this heart adore you. That phrase beauty could be a name of Jesus. But then it says hope of a life spent with you. So then it kind of falls apart there. But maybe there's some reference to Jesus in the stanzas um, by concept. King of all days. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. 
Um, and that's a, a reference to that's Second Corinthians. He who is rich became poor for us that we might be made rich in him. It's like Second Corinthians nine. So there's a little scripture reference there to Jesus too. So yes, Jesus is mentioned by concept. Um, and then the clarity: uh, Is there a subject, a verb, object, or are these sen- sentence fragments? Uh, a little bit of both. Here I am to worship. That's a sentence. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. That's a run-on sentence, but a sentence nonetheless. Uh, the stanzas are different. Uh, lie to the world, uh, beauty that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. These are not. These are sentence fragments, so it's kind of somewhere in the middle. We'll give it for clarity a four. How about that? I hadn't noticed this until I read your article, and, and it's true. A lot of these songs uh, don't have sentences, and, and it reminds me of, of some of the, the uh, like purpose-driven preaching that we hear in fact uh, for for a segment we might be doing in the future for table talk radio i want to listen to a a sermon by uh, rick warren and it, the sermons themselves are very uh, ambiguous you don't know what they're talking about and they're, and they're the ones that are saying that we need to have a lot of application in our sermons but it'll be something like you need to have a more god-centered life and that's where they leave it it's like well what is a more god-centered life and and you know how can i do that anyway well you know it's, it's more about uh, how christ is the center of the cross, and he he died for our sins, and 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 bestows that righteousness to us, and that's what I want to hear in a sermon. Yeah, and a song too. Um, okay, so where are we on this on this criticism here? Three mysticism is it subjective or objective? Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together, and then it, you say, "Oh, that's totally subjective." You know, it's just—I mean, I'm singing about what I'm singing. I mean, I I'm singing <laughs> the, about the fact that I'm singing. Strange. It's kind of so self-referential. But then you think, oh, it's going to escape that in the last part. You're altogether lovely. You're altogether worthy. Altogether wonderful to me. And then it brings it right back to that. Ugh. Which, again, is the point of the praise song, is to do this. I mean, the the fact that these are, are, are uh, the number one and number two songs that we're listening to is on purpose because they're trying to do this stuff. But it's very, again, very uh, subjective. I think you put it on a two on the subjective scale. I talked to a pastor one time, and this this is kind of a neat little thing. He said, uh, if you can replace Jesus' name in the song for your girlfriend's name and the song still makes sense, the song is heresy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. I mean, not this one doesn't even mention the name of Jesus, so we can't use it there. But you know, a lot of these songs are romantic, and the the kind of love that we have for Jesus in these songs are the, is the kind of love that we do express to our girlfriends or boyfriends or whoever. Um, that's not the kind of love that that we have for Jesus. Uh, it's but, not the kind of love He has for us. And you and Evan, you're exactly right. This this kind of romantic love, this. Uh, is one of the points of mysticism. I mean, it's not like mysticism is something new in the world. There's been mystics since the world began, and you always see this kind of romanticism connected to to our worship, and uh, and it goes all the way back. There, you know, there's even all of these old erotic cults that worship uh, through sexuality in the ancient world, and and this is mysticism as well. But you you see this kind of thing, and so it, it's not a surprise. And again, I don't think to the people writing and singing these praise songs, this is something insulting. It's it just might be surprising uh, for the Lutherans who are listening. Okay, then law and gospel in this song? No. Is there any gospel? <laughs> well, there's a little bit of gospel in the end here in the last stanza. Humbly you came to earth, you created all for love's sake, uh, became poor. Um, oh, and then I don't have this line. So, oh, how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Oh, right, so it yeah. mentions... the. 
Uh, it mentions the cross there and my sin on it. Uh, it's it's not exactly clear. I mean, it's not in a, again. It's not in a sentence, but maybe there's a little bit of gospel there, uh, a mention of sin. So you could you could have a little bit of law and a little bit of gospel. I'm not sure if it's um, it doesn't go all the way with either one, and it's not a hundred percent divided. But you know, there's a little bit there. Okay. Then the last one is there any explicit false teaching? I didn't see any in this. Again, the problem is, you know, there could be false teaching if you actually knew what was being said. Uh, it's it's handy when the heretics, uh, you know, are out with it. But that's the great difficulty in these praise songs is um, uh, is, is trying to find it uh, because it's not a, a real clear statement. So. All right, that's it for the praise song cruncher. You're on the spot now with Don't Forget the Lyrics to Your Hymn. Um, now, now, this first one, um, I didn't go exactly how you said You wanted just to fill in one word on the last one. You have to fill in two words on this first one. All right. Uh, All right. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. All right. Confess. Very good. I did just give you one word. I, I thought I was being meaner than I was. So each of these is worth one point. <laughs> oh, one point. Who determines that? Okay. I'll, That's a, what a great song. I'll though, give you a, I'll mean, give you 100. So you're still down by 100. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. You don't hear this in the praise and worship songs. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous. God's word actually bespeaks us righteousness. And uh, and that's what it's doing in 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 the gospel. Exactly right. He God calls us holy because of the blood of Jesus, and, and that gospel word it it gives it. Uh, it's powerful. You see, only uh, if you have the power of God's word, I believe uh, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. If you have that doctrine, that you can you can sing like this. Otherwise, the scripture is just information, and it's all about our response to it. But boy. Uh, uh, our, thy strong word bespeaks us right. That's beautiful. That's the Franzman hymn, by the way. Thy strong word, if you guys don't know it, it's it. By the way, is a contemporary hymn. It was written probably in the '60s or '70s, uh, but it's fantastic. That it is. Okay. Well, you have a chance to to redeem yourself here. You can tie the score here with this last one. And there's a, a short phrase. You need to finish this one. So uh, here it is. Strong. Very good. Hallelujah. Woo! That's a great hymn. I'm sorry that you guys have to listen to me finish it. Uh, <laughs> for all the saints, I love that phrase in there. And when the strife is and fierce and warfare longer, however, it goes steals on the ear the distant triumph song. So that as we struggle through our lives, we hear we hear off the songs of heaven and the joy of the angels and it echoes back to us telling us that all is well and that our Jesus is on the throne and that no matter what bad happens we have this glorious hope of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting oh that is fantastic and that is going to bring us to the conclusion of this game (laughs) it's all tied up for today it is it is Um, I think you would have got this last one so I'm I'm glad we quit when we did (laughs) 
Oh, is it? Is it tied? Bummer. Hey, n- better luck next time, Pastor Wolf Miller. <laughs> a tie is all right with me. I'm not ashamed. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in to Table Talk Radio. Uh, join us again next week. Don't forget to visit our website, tabletalkradio.org, or our phone line, 866-851-5523, or our email address, questions at tabletalkradio.org. See you next time, Table Talk Radio. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.